Hello, and welcome to Coin Talk. We are reuniting for a very, very special bull run episode, which, uh, due to some bizarre timing, has turned out to be a coup episode, too. We're going to get real bonus value here. <laughs> This episode of Coin Talk was taped Wednesday, January 6, 2021, at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Bitcoin price index was $35,545. Here with me uh, is my co host, Jay Kang, who's been uh, like Al Pacino, keeps getting lured back in. I know, I know. You know, I actually thought once the once I realized that it had gone to 10,000 from 3,000, that I would be out forever, you know, because I was like, well, how much higher could it possibly go? And if it goes higher, I'm almost certainly buying the top because all I do is buy the top and sell the bottom. And so I was watching and then once it got to 20,000, that's when it took like 20,000 for me to get FOMO. And then when it returned, it was like, it was like a, it was like being hit by a rogue wave. Like, you know, like when you go to the beach and there's like little, the waves are normal and then one just comes out of nowhere and then wipes everyone out. That's what it felt like. I was like watching crypto and then 20,000 came <laughs> fucking giant <laughs> wave was over my head. And I was like, Oh no, <laughs> I was like, everyone's getting rich except for me. Um, and then, and then since then it's been just full on degeneracy. So. I want to talk to you a little bit. You had kind of fallen out of crypto, weren't really following it, but there was a time in your life during the first bull run where like we were talking daily about crypto, not just because of the show, but like all the time. And it's interesting watching like a new generation of tadpoles who are getting sucked in by this bull run. And to them, where we're sitting now at like 35,000, that was our like 5,000. Yeah, that was our like, I don't know, dude, do you really think it's ever going to go to 10,000? I mean, hard to say yeah. it. It's all just like, um, you know, your your perception of what is old school hip hop. It's all about when you were in high school, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That feels very you know, RIP MF Doom. But I was thinking about yeah. that a lot uh, over the past week because I was like uh, I was listening once again to all the stuff I listened to in high school. And, um, you know, I had all the same thoughts that maybe somebody 10 years older than us would think about like Africa Bambata, and, yeah. you know, like <laughs> cool Herc. And they're like, they're like, what do you mean? That's not old what school. It's the greatest <laughs> shit ever. <laughs> yeah. 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 I hear that. Yeah, brand all new right. Well, let's, is new. Um, let's yeah. recap a little bit. So I just, I went to look up when we did our last episode. It was May 23rd, 2020. So really like peak first pandemic spike world flying quickly into the toilet bowl times. And at that time, Bitcoin was 6,767 and ETH was a cool $200. Why did we, so, did we do the show? Because we thought, felt that 6,700 was like a big milestone and that, that Bitcoin was spiking. No, we didn't. It wasn't a price based show. It was like we started doing shows at the start of the pandemic and that was the last one. Uh. And it was kind of because the pandemic was like getting worse, honestly. But if we had had even like tiny brains, why were we not discussing backing up the Ethereum truck? at that very moment. I know, I know. Well, I thought that Ethereum, and I, I don't understand what's changed, but at the time I had the understanding, you know, I will say that it was an uneducated understanding that people had more or less abandoned Ethereum project generally, you know, and it was, it was based that on was this, completely wrong. Remember when we were like uh, super into Ethereum and thought that that smart contracts were the future? I, I was, still think that. I was doing like, I was doing like TV segments about crypto kitties. And uh, we were actually trying to build markets on Augur. Remember, like, yeah. we were, like, trying to build prediction markets of our own. And then since then, I just hadn't seen any actual Ethereum projects that had come out. And it had been, like, what, like, two years or something like that. And then, you know, Vitalik is, like, tweeting about everything under the sun and seems to be reshaping himself into some sort of Paul Graham type of figure where he's, like, a tech guy who, you know, comments on, on wokeness and stuff like that. And... I just thought that Ethereum was done. Like I was like, well, if you looked in the actual room where people are working on Ethereum, is there more than like two people, you know, driving up the Tesla's? 
I did not think that at all. And as a result, I bud a theory in the whole way up. That era of the Augur V1, all of that early stuff we tried to do in early episodes, I feel like that was like the Africa Bambata era of the <laughs> and there's a new wave that's upon us and it's incredible and it's like it is a total like uh one to 100 leap in some of the things i've seen so i think in a lot of ways we kind of just had to like wait for that narrative now i will say i don't know what is driving like all of this ethereum price growth other than i we can talk later about some of the DeFi stuff but the major narrative between May when we last talked and now has been a huge amount of institutional money and interest flowing into Bitcoin. And not just the money flowing in, but the resulting publicity of large sums of institutional money flowing into Bitcoin. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was it, what my trigger for getting back into Ethereum was because I was talking to this guy who is rather wealthy, but also makes financial decisions for institutions. I'll just put it that way. And he was like, all of our young guys are talking, you know, in, in his firm, all, all the young guys are talking about Ethereum. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, that's all it really takes for me is like, you know, somebody yeah. just say. Like, you just need <laughs> like one very thin anecdote. Yeah. From, Many people from are somebody saying. somebody who's rich, who, <laughs> who's quoting, uh, who's quoting the Jay, young guy. <laughs> you know? Jay, these are the ingredients that Jay needs to be good. Talking to someone who is DJN, young people, and like large sum of sums of money with gamble ability. Not, yeah, not much anything more that anything that interest. has a quick turnaround, fast payout type of thing. And I was like, oh, Ethereum. So then I started buying then. I was buying actually a lot of Bitcoin early in the pandemic because I got into buying it on Cash App. So I feel like the, actually the other big shift since we last talked is there's been a huge rise in like consumer Bitcoin sales through apps. First Cash App, now PayPal. I know you were hitting up that PayPal Ethereum yeah. market, Kang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, my honestly, I will say that, you know, and this is probably the most degenerate I'll get is that um, I play in this uh, poker game and shocking. it's all online and they do payouts through PayPal and Cash App. And so sometimes when I win, I have like, you know, not whatever, some small amount of money that's deposited in my PayPal and Cash App. And I just immediately convert that into crypto. And I've been doing that. So that's basically how I got back into it was just that if those two platforms did not have crypto, there's no way that I would have like withdrawn the money into my bank account and then put it in a Coinbase or like to uh, Binance or something like that. It was the actual ease of buying crypto with money that was already on that platform that got me back in. I don't think like the volume of people buying on PayPal right now is like probably driving Bitcoin to $35,000. But it was a major like crypto is awakening symbol for me when like you and various other people in my life are like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not back into it. I'm just, you know, 2050 here, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, I remember that sentiment. That was like the sentiment during the first wave of like college students buying ETH where it was like, you deposit your student loan check and you don't like actually have to pay rent for two months you can double it on ethereum <laughs> yeah yeah and they'd be like yo don't buy bitcoin buy litecoin you know yeah. that was so i, I feel yeah. totally in that space right now where i actually was looking and at the three choices on paypal and i was like litecoin huh <laughs> So I'm well, back. that, I'm back that in like play was completely there. We talked about it. Me and Ledger talked about it in our Telegram group, where it was like the minute PayPal put out Ethereum, Bitcoin, Litecoin, if you're just playing the classic coin talk, dumb psychology game, it's just like park the Litecoin truck right now. And it happened. Litecoin went up like 80% shortly thereafter. I know. I, How does, Litecoin, does Litecoin these? have actual engineers working on it? Like that also seems know, like an abandoned project to me. There's that Korean guy who's been driving around um, in the RV to spread uh, Litecoin awareness. Yeah, know, yeah, the busted. Korean Litecoin evangelist. Yeah, I, I read if, that article too. If you if you wrote a profile of that guy, I would definitely read it. <laughs> yeah, you would go around in his RV <laughs> one week in his RV going around trying to get businesses to adopt Litecoin. 
Yeah, we both get uh, we both get coronavirus. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> both like, still living in the RV together, but trying to quarantine. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> the, the assignment is like two days of travel, but instead I have to live in his RV for two weeks while <laughs> both clear coronavirus out of our system. That I will say the best detail. The best detail of that story was that like when he decided to go all in for Litecoin for his life, he was like, "Of course, I knew it would be incompatible with." having a wife and my wife divorced. I was like, Whoa, all right. Well, at least you're honest about it. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, it seems like he's doing all right though. Huh? I mean, that's the thing. I feel like that article was written at like Litecoin 80 and he was like underwater, but like, he's probably going to do very well. This is the, this is one of the essential natures of, of crypto. I feel like is that as crypto, gets gigantic a bunch of people who did silly stunts are actually gonna get rich yeah yeah like uh you know and all these gamblers i know who basically have you know thousands of bitcoin i don't know it's like it's incredible to think about how much money they have i mean we would talk about on the show and you know i'm not saying any names or anything like that but like some of these guys at the beginning of speculation had like one of them had like a hundred thousand bitcoins you know Yep. And um, I don't know, like, how fucking rich are those guys right now? Like, it, it's really amazing. It's hard to, think to know. About. And they don't, I mean, they won't, they won't tell anyone, you know? So you have people who I, might be in the billions at this point. I always feel like people who are skeptical of Bitcoin want to talk about Bitcoin failing. But we on the show have always had a good history of being like, what if the like crazy outcome is that Bitcoin succeeds? And it wasn't a totally thought out thing. There's a bunch of like really degen online poker players who will become the richest people in the world. Yeah, it's not good. It's bad. And it's gonna for, have it's unforeseen effects. It's just gonna lead to more gambling. It's yeah. just gambling that will lead to more gambling. What what it'll be is like there'll be a lot of lobbies, you know, to like spread the game of poker into elementary schools, you know, for underprivileged youth. Yeah, like kind of like the like golf does, you know, we're like, we're going to spread golf into the inner cities. Like these guys are going to start foundations, have pro poker players going to schools and teach kids how to play poker. There's going to be like a D-Gen like um, like poker tournament with a like a billion dollar buy in oh or something God. in our See, lifetime. That would be cool. I would watch that. I would watch that. There's, I mean, uh, at a certain point when your bags are big, you know, like um, in The Last Dance, my favorite scene in The Last Dance is when Jordan is gambling against his security detail, flipping quarters against the Oh, yeah, the that wall. guy with the hair. Yeah. <laughs> if you're D-Gen in that way, and you're also impossibly rich and impossibly successful at your, like, main pursuit, at a certain point, the only thing that's going to get you high is, like, in a billion-dollar buy-in poker tournament. Well, that's, like, what, yeah. Yeah, that's what happened to nosebleed stakes a lot, right? Well, a lot of things happened to nosebleed stakes and why it doesn't really exist anymore. One, But one of them was just because a lot of the players got so rich off of crypto that playing a $100, $200, or $500,000 blind no-limit hold'em was no longer exciting to them. It was, like, us playing for, like, 25 50 cents or something like that you know or or lower like 10 cents 20 cents and so then what's the point of playing like why would you sit at this table you should you know for an inconsequential amount of money it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't spike the the uh pheromones is it pheromones no what's that the endorphins in the same way or the pheromones maybe both (laughs) i wonder if this is happening a little bit in crypto because i used to follow a lot of these alt crypt coin trader dudes during the last ball run and some of them are gone and you could wonder i mean they could have gotten wiped out but they also could be just like if you like totally yolo traded micro cap coins during the last alt ball run and you sold and didn't ride them all the way down you might be too rich to like even care about doing this stuff anymore yeah yeah you don't have to Although, like go re- you're like i could go research the team behind this coin <laughs> and give my assessment of it on twitter or i could just sit here and throw money at the wall <laughs> i will say most of those people have just moved over to dgen DeFi yield farming though uh... it's mostly a just um same pursuit new tactics new hustle new like 1000x opportunity 
Okay, you're gonna have to tell me about this because I have no. I, I see you and and Ledger talking about this, and there are times when I tune in and I'm like, "What is this thing?" And then I'm like, "Oh, it takes six steps for me to st- uh, set up. That's like five steps too many." So, what is what is DeFi yield farming? Okay, so I'm gonna sound like I don't know what I'm talking about to anyone who actually knows a lot about this. So, you know, coin talk warning. One, this is not investment advice. <laughs> Two, it might not even be accurate. Uh, Three, I just did this like four days ago. So it's not like I've seen the potential consequences with that disclaimer. So you take basic Ethereum, right? And Ethereum is a contract language, right? So you can lock Ethereum. Um, You can like uh, create contracts that lock Bitcoin even, like wrap Bitcoin in an Ethereum contract. And through creating these contracts, you can create financial products that basically live on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, So I'll give like a really simple example. There's a um, coin called DeFi Pulse, which just tracks the top 10 altcoins and you get it as a token. So rather than buying all 10 of those, you basically are buying a contract that gives you exposure to all of them. Mm-hmm. The primary generator of the DeFi system is that currently you can borrow Ethereum and then lend it to other people and then borrow more Ethereum and then lend it to other people. When I say borrow and lend, I mean create liquidity within a giant pool. And as you do so, you're rewarded with tokens that give you ownership in things like the decentralized exchange, Uniswap. Um, there's one I like called Synthetics. You're getting some upside on these synthetic products that are like uh, created under the SNX token. So all of these different protocols are working together and trying to claim value in this giant churning pool of liquidity and different ETH-related tokens and smart contracts. And at least early on, like six months ago, mm-hmm. um, a person who degenned into it and was willing to sort of gamble that the whole system didn't just fall apart at a certain point was basically just printing money and then printing more money with the money they printed. It's like a snowball kind of thing because you're getting gains on the money that you have, which you can use to create more gains. It's kind of like an infinite loop. Like it's obviously dividend sorry, reinvestment, but your dividend yes. is like insane every day. People are offering, you know, the APIs ranged up to like 80% at different times. They're reacting oh algorithmically to different stable coins. So one thing that happened this week is um, the U.S. government sent a guidance letter basically saying stable coins are cool. And that's very important for this because it allows this to interoperate with the actual banking system and use settlement for actual banks using this kind of stuff. Mm. So the moonshot here is that basically everything Wall Street does, hedge funds, ETFs, all can be basically done by software and that they'll be able to Napster and remake all of Wall Street in this giant Ethereum money computer. Oh my God, that does sound appealing. So if you think that that was at all appealing, here are my picks. (laughs) I'm sitting on some Uniswap. Uniswap. I'm sitting on SNX, (laughs) which is synthetics. Um, I like uh, Lend, which is Avi, A-A-V-E. Most of these are basically influenced by like people on Twitter and Ledger and like very light research of my own. But these are ones that I think have actual utility in this ecosystem. Most of them are just another DEX. So the exchanges are called DEXs and... There's a lot of DEXs and the DEXs give the token of their DEX as a way to like get people to use it. So most of this is ICO style, people basically just selling like their loyalty tokens. Yeah, but like um, what what's the like what's the difference between this and like the stuff that we saw in the last run, which was all like, you know, you understood the technology, but you didn't understand why the coin had to exist. And they were like, well, it allows for like seamless transactions between layers. And you're like, that's not a reason. In this case, I actually understand how the tokens are deriving value. So Uniswap is the DEX often that I'm using to do these trades. When I do one of those trades, I pay Uniswap something. But by owning the Uniswap token, some of what I paid is actually going into the Uniswap network. It's like uh, if there was no Coinbase, 
but you could own a piece of Coinbase by owning a token. Ah, and so it's more like a security is, then. Uh, hey, let's not say anything like that. That that that, that could that could put my bags in a difficult position. Uh, actually, it's been so long. I actually forgot about that whole trade, uh, that whole uh, that whole controversy. Okay, so we well, don't say it's so like Rip, a security on the show. Ripple Ripple basically is under investigation or is on its way for to, towards being declared a security. And you know that this market has been totally degen because people are like playing the downfall of Ripple, um, which I would just stay away from with a 1,000 foot pole. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that's my DeFi pitch. It's the thing that has like captured my imagination. Uh, I like would I, I totally could talk about it for hours and hours, but I also don't really understand it. Well, um, wait, so okay, my last question for you in terms of what yeah. I don't understand about it is like, what's the uh, how do you just buy the coins or do you have to set something up? Like, do you have to have so part the, of your computer always running something like this or or what? Or like, no, no, it's of- super simple. So you just go on your phone and you just get an Ethereum wallet. The one I use is called a Rainbow Wallet, and I like it a lot. But MetaMask is the like industry yeah. standard you get the metamask wallet you just get a random ethereum address when you get the metamask wallet right all you need to trade on the exchanges is to just tap that ethereum wallet there's no accounts on any of the exchanges it just syncs with your wallet totally anonymously you swap one of these tokens for the other so the reason it's like massively bullish ethereum is that all of these tokens are based on ethereum and they're all basically building ethereum value they're like subsets uh... of ethereum they're like takes on Ethereum, but it's all Ethereum basically. And the wallet can hold any of these ERC20 assets, basically lots of different flavors of Ethereum assets, including one of the other things I want to talk about. So here's what's in. If you looked in my wallet right now, you would see uh, some of these uh, decentralized finance tokens. Mm-hmm. The one that I want to buy, but I've been too cowardly because the fees have been really high, but the ledger's big on is Rook which is Keeper DAO. I don't know, that's, that's my next buy. You heard it here first, but uh, it seems like the insiders are into it. Um, but so if you look at my wallet, there's that. There is, I've been buying domain names, .f domain names, which are I know, tokens. You, this is the like domain. the most, of all this stuff where I like hear from you, the most concerning thing that I've heard is that your updates on the on the uh, on the do- name, domain names that you're you're buying up. Do you want to know? Do you want to hear some of the F yeah, names yeah, yeah. that List I currently own? Calamari F. Calamari. Pretty good. Yeah. Like as in, um, like if somebody wants to start the number one Calamari Ethereum-based website, they would they would be falafel. Falafel.f. Oh, that's a good. So here's my investment hypothesis. If this decentralized stuff, real finance stuff, really moves, there's going to be a gazillion projects because a project might not even be a team. It might just simply be like a automated trading strategy or something. Mm -hmm. And they're all going to need distinctive branding. And everyone's going to pump the fun stuff. The stuff that's pumped is sushi swap, right? So I'm trying to corner out things that have good. Um, emoji-based equivalents that also that, that could fit nicely into a ticker symbol. And then I'm just going to flip them all to projects in years down the line. People laugh, but when I'm like, uh, when I'm a, like a, a rich man because of my deep, deep stock of Ethereum names, you'll all be coming to me. I'm not going to give them all away. You can probably figure out what my Ethereum wallet is now if you're listening, which is a little disturbing. Rootbeer.f. Rootbeer.f. That Um, one's good. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing that's in here is um, non-fungible token art, NFT art, which is like blockchain art. We've talked talked about this in the... Yeah, we did a lot of episodes about it. So that stuff has also exploded. Um, There was this guy, Beeple, who did this drop that was kind of this like game theorized like auction style where each one gets more expensive came with like a real world like thing for each token sold 3.5 million dollars of art in a single hour long auction i'm looking at the art right now and it looks kind of like uh like when you go to the mall and you go to the store that sells crystals and like uh globes and you know like those weird random stores that's for people who believe in new agey things 
but it's yeah. not quite like rich new agey stuff. It's like kind of mall new agey stuff. It looks kind of like that. It's like a lot of like bright lights and things and, you know, bright colors. It's a lot of like 3D rendering. A lot of moons, kind of. <laughs> large yeah. moons. It, it looks a little bit like stills from a video game that doesn't exist. Right, yeah, yeah. It's like a Final and Fantasy boss, basically. And then there's a goat in the front foreground of the one that I'm looking at. They sold three points, how much million? $3.5 million. Oh my So God. a lot of these are also being like degen speculated on where people are just buying them up. They're so easy to resell, right? The marketplace you buy them on, you can just swap them between wallets. It's a direct Ethereum swap. So people are basically buying them and then listing them immediately and they're getting bid up and moved multiple times. There's a whole market around it. I think it's fascinating. The art doesn't totally float catch me yet but the mechanisms do and i think this year it's going to be flooded with like pretty interesting real projects and there will be like some cool stuff going. so they're on. making the art kind of look like baseball cards huh like uh or the, it yeah. seems like it's part of the baseball card type economy where you have super scarcity that, and then you have these cards that are worth like twenty thousand dollars because there's only three of them or something like that i think thinking of them as collectibles is much easier than thinking about them as like fine art. Yeah. And therefore, when you look at those Beeple pieces, it's sort of like shitting on the Magic the Gathering art. It does it's look like, like Magic the Gathering art. It's yeah. like, oh, well, I mean, it is good in the context of this being on a Magic the Gathering card. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would be a good match. I would be like, ooh, this one. And <laughs> they, some of they put the. They a lot of effort into it. Some of the value accrues to the scarcity economics of Magic the Gathering that we sure. know there's yeah. sort of like sets and so like that. So a lot of it, we're kind of building the rails for that like digital uniqueness and rareness. Um, it's unclear what people will build on those rails, but there's so much money flooding in with people buying and reselling. And you've seen this stuff. We talked about people you knew who got involved in like art pump and dumps. This is not like a brand new idea, no. but now you can do it super degen anonymously and you can track the actual value history of these arts. So what happened towards the end of that Beeple sale, I think was people were like, oh, people have already flipped some of the early sales for double their money. I should keep going up here later in this auction. These are basically like pumping as the auction's going. Oh my God. Yeah. I should have bought that. Remember I was going to buy that whale, the Twitter whale. Like yeah. The Twitter whale is down. That, that was like vintage. Twitter is down. And it was like, yeah. I almost could afford it. And I was like, I should just do this. And then I, I like afterwards, I was like, I'm so glad I didn't do this. But now, now I bet I would have made that, some money on that thing. Well, one thing someone said, the guy who makes Rainbow Wallet, who I follow, I like, was like, these things will have value forever if, even if the projects fail as collectibles. And one of the things he said, he was like CryptoKitties, CryptoPunks, Dogecoin. Um, and he was like, just because it's so, these things are like so beloved that they are now like the first year of baseball oh, yeah, cards. Yeah. They're Pokemon's valuable or something, yeah. in the history of digitally unique entertainment and, and token and tokenization of like files being collected. I still think I have some CryptoKitties. Do you have any? I don't. Kang, if you cash in some crypto kitties right now and your bag jumps my bag, I will fucking lose it. Yeah. I hold all the way through the winter. <laughs> yeah, I find like a rare crypto kitty in there. Yeah, you're like, I don't know, is this one valuable? You're like, that is the Honus Wagner of crypto kitties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think I ever. I don't think I ever birthed one that was worth anything. But I definitely have some from the first generation, which might be. I don't know. With Magic the Gathering, I think even like the Alpha Lands are worth a lot of money, you know? So yeah. maybe it's something like that. Yeah, I should check it out. Although well, I think I might have given them to somebody. I hope I didn't, oh, but I do remember okay. maybe giving what are you, them to what somebody. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, That's giving joke. someone money. It's like my, I'm like my own mom throwing out my baseball card collection. Yeah, you're, like, you're, you're committing the sins of our parents. <laughs> like, do you know how much that, that uh, what, I, what, I don't even remember what the... Oh yeah, Black Lotus is worth now. Just like I was so tired of you playing those you games. Throw away <laughs> my Shiva Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna. I suggest that you and I both get some of this crypto. Actually, 
you got to get Rainbow Wallet, and I think I might purchase you. We, I think we should do some sort of like a Secret Santa where we buy each other a piece of NFT. Okay, I'm going to do it, but can I buy it? Like, I have to send Ethereum to my MetaMask wallet. Is that right? Yeah, so you need to get some Ethereum. So I have to actually buy it on Coinbase or something like that. Yeah, or Gemini or something, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, because you can't... The thing, the problem with, like, the problem with, with, uh, with PayPal specifically and Robinhood specifically is that you can't send Bitcoin or Ethereum out of those, right? You just are basically holding I think it. you can from Cash App, but they don't Cash sell Cash App Ethereum. you can, but they don't sell yeah. Ethereum. So maybe I'll... I wonder oh if there's God. a tip maybe I'll fire up Coinbase for, for the first time in like several years and feel the shame. Yeah, nope. just fire it. You don't need like a lot. My know? wife will you be put like, like... Put in uh, one, there's, one there's in there. There's a thing on our on our bank account statement, you know, like a debit to Coinbase. What's going on with you? Listen, baby, I had to buy this rare crypto punk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this piece of art really caught my eye. Listen, these domain names could go a thousand X when the <laughs> DeFi moon hits. Yeah, I'm buying, I'm buying samosa.eth. That's <laughs> a good one. That's a good one. Every, every single, I'm gonna, I, I need to I need to pitch on Aaron's corner of buying ethnic food Ethereum. That, that is literally my corner. Yeah. Like, and I was like, also some of them, I was like, okay, I can't get the like English name, but like, could I get the name in the native language for this? Because a lot of the eth name speculations in English, is no Kim one's bought up like ETH Korean. Someone's got someone's got oh, someone's like, I, I imagine that you that was early. What are what are other like hot um, domain names in Korean for food? Oh, well, hot Korean food. Let's see. I don't know. That might be hard. Like dakboki uh, would be one that you could try. But that one would I bet that one's taken. I bet all the very popular Korean foods are taken because of yeah. Korea and Ethereum. But uh, yeah, that's funny. I didn't even know that the, the speculation existed. Falafel, I gotta well, say, I'm, is a good I'm one. pioneering it. I'm pioneering the speculation. Jungie. I can see, I can see falafel really paying for you down the line. Falafel, falafel.eth. Like, what do you think falafel.com is worth? I mean, it must be worth a ton, right? Probably like twenty, thirty grand at least. I would say, yeah. if not more. So, the three and four letters are still widely available, but it's one hundred and sixty dollars a year to register. A th- Four letter and six hundred and forty dollars a year to register a three letter. So they're in this weird dance with Ethereum, where it's like I'm spending real Ethereum to buy them. If Ethereum moves, I'm be like, oh no, like why did I buy butt.f, which is still available. (laughs) But is you know yeah, but but (laughs) butt.f is still available. There's a lot. Hump.f is still available. Hey, I, I would move on those before I moved on Falafel, honestly. I don't know what you're thinking. <laughs> well, but those, are, those ones cost more is what I'm saying. So it's like part of the thing I've realized about any of this stuff, whether it's like decentral tokens, crypto art, domain names, is like when people buy them, they buy them with F. And so if you're thinking you're going to sell it in the future, it has to be worth more relative to Ethereum. Like mm, your crypto kitty, yeah. if you hadn't given it away might be worth a lot because it was bought at a time when Ethereum was like at like 70 or something like that. So even if it's worth the same Ethereum amount, it's now worth $1,200 or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Because it would, because when I bought I it, Ethereum you're like was looking like, for it I don't now. know, like 60 bucks or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, oh my God, that makes me sick. I'm trying to, I don't even want to look at it actually because I'm, I'm trying to look at CryptoKitties right now and I have no idea what it is. Uh, um, how did you even how do you even look up crypto kitties? Is it like a website? Well, they, there's this like thing that? called there's this thing called OpenSea, and OpenSea logs all of the NFT, everything, all the domains, everything. You can see every item ever created um, on the Ethereum chain. So if you go on there and you can find your crypto kitty, we can we can trace the provenance of it. And honestly, if you did give it to someone back, we could try to get it back from them. We could try to shake them down. It's like a Coen Brothers movie. We, yeah. need the, we need the crypto kitty back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, no, you gave it to me. You're like, you don't need it. What are you doing with it? You didn't even know you had it. <laughs> you haven't even bred it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can track everything you've done with it. You have not touched it since 2017, which is probably true. Because uh, I don't think that the... Although the person who I gave it to did text me recently. and was like, what's going on with crypto? I've been getting a lot of those texts recently. Uh, like, should I buy Bitcoin? Bull, mega bullish. Like, I had a conversation with my mom about it. And I kind of talked her out of... It's weird. I'm so crypto-pilled right now 
But I, like, if someone asks me, I'm like, don't buy now, which is weird because I'm holding a lot right now. And that's basically the same as me buying right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what your mom wanted to buy Bitcoin? She was curious. She was, I, well, I, I, I was taunting her a lot, to be fair. I was like, because she had told me to sell many times before. And I was oh. like, I don't know if you've seen the price of Bitcoin, but big time moon. And she was like, what? Oh, sell it. And I was like, no, I think it's going to go to 100,000 this year. And then she was like, oh, how do I buy a sub? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, I guess like, you know, like people like my, my dad is also interested in. I think that for older people of our parents' generation, since they can't really leave the house, they must just be into everything right now. You know? Yeah, I think that's fair. I also think like there is more like with like I told my mom if she wanted to get into it, she should just buy shares in the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. I know it's a terrible deal. You can send me angry tweets about this if you're listening, but it was like, I was like, look, my mom can't like hold private keys. She probably can't even figure out Coinbase. She knows how to use Fidelity and it's a stock and it's like secure and you can put your retirement account into it. The interesting thing is everyone, I remember when uh, the Grayscale stuff came out, people were like, who's going to do this? The fees are terrible. You're just like burning 20% of your profits. And it's like, oh, lots of people are going to do it. Like they're buying all the Bitcoin now. Like, People like my mom buying Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, that's where newly mined Bitcoin are going. Oh, that reminds me. I hear that you have been uh, degenerating a bit into the uh, Bitcoin mining options. Yeah, yeah. So the most degenerate behavior that I've been doing recently at a small scale is that um, I'm in this chat group and what they've been doing for the past month I only joined like two weeks ago, but I mean, I've been in it, but I, you know, was not paying attention, but they were just buying options, short-term options of Bitcoin mining companies like Riot, you know, is one of them. Mara is one of them. BTBT, I guess, is one of them. I have no idea what that is. And they've just been, all these things have been moonshotting, you know? And so, of course, you know, in the FOMO, great FOMO wave that overtook me, I was like, all right, I don't want to buy too much Bitcoin because I've been burned before. But what if I just threw the same amount of money into these like three day expiring options, you know, uh, and hoping that the stock goes up 30 percent in the next two days. But, man, it is weird how much of the um, it must be in a lot of places, because like when Bitcoin goes up, these mining companies go way up, you know, like they sort yeah. of seem tethered to it, which doesn't really make sense to me. And it's the same thing that happened with Bitcoin before, where you can actually, not Bitcoin, but crypto before, where you can see people degening from one into the other. So that's like, they're basically just pumping it and then tossing it to the side and then it goes down, you know, and then they're pumping the next one. There's also a dynamic like that in gold mining. It's like the mining value is not relative, like directly to the asset. It's like, like a bunch of factors and a lot of it i think from what i understood in bitcoin my a lot of it is like the strategy that they have for holding so they'll like run strategies where they mine and don't sell like at various times and try to manipulate price if you listen to people there's a lot of like um minor price like a lot of price is driven by like miners in the short term oh wow yeah yeah well then that makes that does make sense actually yeah yeah. I think most of the price is driven by these mega whales now. I mean, if you look at the last Bitcoin rally, $1.2 billion were bought in, in, by an institution that went off Coinbase. I mean, Wait, they bought me... One, they bought $1.2 billion of Bitcoin, Bitcoin. on Coinbase? Yeah, like Coinbase has like an institutional like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not even OTC. Yeah. It's yeah. like OT, the butlers, like... Um, <laughs> like yeah. Um, yeah, they. I mean, look. If you want 1.2 billion dollars worth of Bitcoin, someone's got to sell it to you. I think there's private firms that do it, but I, I mean, you got to be like, you got to be in like the whale ocean to like even like sniff being able to deliver 1.2 billion dollars worth of Bitcoin to someone. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, how do you um, do that? Do you have like a private key on your wallet or something like? I guess Coinbase somehow. I think must, it goes probably. They must goes insure like it somehow for you or something like that. I think it probably goes into Zappo or like private Zappo that we don't know about yeah. bunker yeah. like cold like storage. New Zealand. That's a great business to be in, by the way. Whoever's got doing those businesses is going to be like making money for a hundred years, yeah. like climate controlling the Bitcoin keys. <laughs> um, but the overall flow, and this is what makes me so bullish about Bitcoin, and why I haven't just gone YOLO all into Ethereum, is like 
These huge institutions are buying the Bitcoin and taking them off the exchanges to places we don't ever know. Probably that Bitcoin will never be seen again. Like this is like when art goes into the like climate control Freeport vault. Like it goes out of the like um, 80s Japanese like securities traders house, gets bought up and goes into a Freeport. And it's like that um, that art will never be seen by people again. It's just been like it's just value on some books. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Once every like 30 years, they'll let a museum, they'll like ship it to a museum, you know. It's like that guy like who that, bought that Basquiat, the Japanese guy. He like went on tour with it, and now I'm sure it's like you know never going to be seen again. Which is kind of cool. He like did a rock star tour with the Basquiat. <laughs> it's funny because art people look at that as a shame and a travesty, and people who are kind of into like game theory economics are like, no, that's what cool. There's like a diminishing amount of available art on Earth, and it's like driving the value of all art. And same thing with Bitcoin. There's not going to be much Bitcoin left for the rest of us. By the time all this Bitcoin disappears, the actual like li- liquid trading Bitcoin, more than the Bitcoin being mined, is going to grayscale every day. So the Bitcoin ocean is just washing out, and there's going to be like a little bit for a lot of people to fight over pretty soon. A lot of people that I talk to, um, yeah, the grayscale thing is really actually surprising to me because it seems like, a, you know, like I talk to people who want to buy Bitcoin and they're like, why don't I just buy this? And I do the same speech that you said. I'm like, they took take a huge fee, just buy it on Coinbase, you know, and just hold it and forget about it. And, they, and then they'd never listen to me. They just buy the grayscale one. And it's because it's the same thing. It's like they don't want to join another platform. But they also don't really trust Bitcoin, you know, and the only way that they're going to trust Bitcoin is through grayscale and if they can buy it on fidelity or something like that. But the amount of people who have been doing that, that I know is like kind of shocking to me. Like it's just a lot of people, the volume on that stuff must be huge. I mean, fidelity could totally scoop grayscale right now and just being like, Hey, we're just going to sell Bitcoin ourselves. Why are you buying like exposure? Just buy coins. We'll hold them for you. You already have a fidelity account. I assume that that stuff is all coming. Um, if Fidelity would sell Bitcoin, I probably would have told told her to just buy Bitcoin on Fidelity. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. Um, and I feel like that might be in the next year. Yeah. You'll be able to buy Bitcoin from these major investments. <laughs> Jay, this is all so bullish. Uh, How can we not be all in right now? Well, I look, I have a I, I have a comfortable, I'll say, as opposed to before when we did this show and both of us had an uncomfortable amount of money in Bitcoin, I have a comfortable amount of money in. And I just like, I don't know, there's still some like sense memory of where I just can't get to an uncomfortable amount right now, uh, even though all my other investments are just as speculative, I would say. Um, well, I keep getting com- wrapped. Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was saying, I keep getting wrapped back in. You were always like, Aaron, you have way too much of your net worth in crypto. No, I was wrong. Be careful. Wrong. Yeah. Well, no, but what happened was, so I pulled back, I'll bet. And, you know, when I've gotten money in the years since, I put it into stocks and everything. And this Bitcoin run has elevated the scale of that bag. So now by a net worth, I'm still too deep in Bitcoin again. Because of this <laughs> well, is like caught up problem. with stocks. It's a good problem to have. Yeah. Yeah. I hold from going so far down after that altcoin fall. I... I my portfolio was worth 40% of what I had put in at mm-hmm. the low. And now, glorious. Just, I know. Just, I know. just wonderful. I know. I'm so jealous. Like, I'm, there is a, I'm like, I, had, I love it. I, I was telling my wife, she was like, what's the most amount of Bitcoin that you had? And I was like, it's double digits, you know? And then she, and then she was like, what? What would that? And then <laughs> I'm not talking about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about the, 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 the price I sold it at. I don't want to talk about the price I bought them at. I don't want to talk about anything. I'm so mad. My mother, when I when she asked me, she was like, how, she was like, oh, Bitcoin is that much? Huh? How many do you have? And I showed her how many I had. She was like, oh, I thought you had more. And I was like, you were always telling me I shouldn't have it at all. <laughs> losing every possible way here by the way i keep looking for your mom's uh ent- oh your, yeah you, your mom's you guys presence live in the same on, uh, on on our 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 neighborhood's uh our neighborhood's next door i haven't seen is she on next door well it's funny because so jay's on this is this is actually a good anecdote jay's jay moved to my hometown and 
Am I, am I doxing you by saying no, that? No, no, no. It's fine. I, I mean, I tweet about it and stuff. There's nothing. Yeah, good. okay. Yeah, yeah. Jay, like Jay Berkeley. moved yeah, to Berkeley, my Berkeley. hometown. And I'm not doxing since people don't know where my childhood home is. Jay lives in my childhood neighborhood. Yeah. And they've got a rich next door game going there where people are like uh, reporting various uh, uh, aging hippie on aging hippie crime. <laughs> yeah, it's <And> so good. <laughs> so... As far as I could tell, I couldn't tell totally from the post. It seemed like some guy who must have been the one guy in Berkeley with a Trump sign, some like women came and ripped down his sign. Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, and he took a photo of He took a photo of that. Or it was like from his doorbell. It was from his doorbell camera, I think. And so it was like kind of blurry. And Jay posted it. I just had that moment for a minute. I was like, oh no, that's my mom. (laughs) It like, exact same style like same haircut could have been my mom and my mom and her friend would have stolen someone's trump sign yeah. i was like i was like oh wow okay no from that angle it's not her yeah, yeah um yeah but she could she, you she could be um you know you might cite her around the neighborhood uh, performing various petty vandalism it is i don't mean to be racist here or you know bigoted but it is true that all women over the age of 60 in my neighborhood to me look this they they look the same they dress the same they all have like a vw euro van parked in the in the front in the on the Aaron, you know exactly what i'm talking about they, someone's they have... got to buy these buy this fleece okay <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> the, the, the north face outlets in berkeley and everybody goes to it they do a lot of uh they walk up and down um the hills around here and oh, yeah. you know they're all very nice and of course every single one of them would be a suspect for vandalizing someone's house who had a, like everybody was a suspect it, it was like who shot mr burns you know? <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, totally well everyone has a motivation and everyone could i could see anyone in this neighborhood doing it so yeah that was uh the um but I, yeah i haven't seen i haven't seen her posting mostly now it's uh there's two types of posts which i'm sure is not interesting to our listeners but it's like what is this plant you know somebody will take a picture of a plant and the other one is like someone's dog is out of control and that's that's basically <laughs> it <laughs> um i hope we do another one of these uh, in less time this time but in case we don't in case we aren't talking again until the next bullet run let's make a few predictions here okay so I just looked, and I think Bitcoin has gone up a thousand dollars in the time we've been doing the show. No, we've gotten to the point with Bitcoin where a thousand dollar candles are not unusual. Uh, yet we're just twenty six dollars under thirty six thousand right now. What? Um, and Ethereum, Ethereum is at ho- almost ho- at hovering under twelve hundred. So, oh are we going to time limit this? Where? What? I feel like almost talking about to like. January 1st is too long. Yeah, like, let's, let's, let's kind of like talk more March in the scope 31st. of the pandemic. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, March 31st. Okay. That's an interest. Yeah. Let's do March 31st and January 1st. Okay. Okay, so for let's do March 31st first. Do you see Bitcoin going up between now and March 31st? Um, well, I don't know because like it's just so di- it feels so different than it was when it was going up to 20,000, right? Like you and I both remember very clearly the days when I would frantically text you and be like, I just lost like $26,000 in four minutes, you know? And then you'd be like, what? And then we'd look and it'd be down like 60%. You know? that, like, was ah! like, what? That, that was one day. Like that whole, that whole spike happened in like a day and a half. I, really I was driving like from, uh, from our place in Brooklyn to my parents, uh, my, my wife's parents' house in Rhode Island. And during that drive, I, I it went down like 60%. And then I like <laughs> got out of the car and I looked at it. I was like, oh no, I'm, ru- I'm ruined. <laughs> but there hasn't been stuff like that. You know, there's no like, remember when we would like try and time dips and they would like drop like $2,000 and then we would just buy at the, at the dip and then it would go down another 3,000 and then we would sell. Like there's well, nothing like that. It just seems like a steady climb this time, which is crazy to me. It's tr- very hard to snipe dip Bitcoin right now. And I think that's because there is a huge demand for Bitcoin. These dips have been getting bought up so quickly. In the last bull run, you would have these big dips and there would be always that moment you're like, whoa, is this just it? Like, <laughs> is this dip the end of Bitcoin? Yeah. And now there's a dip of like 10%, 20%. And it's just like a six hour buying opportunity. Honestly, if you're like in the wrong time zone, 
you would not catch one of these dips. Yeah, I haven't seen any real dips, but like, and maybe that's just because like I I don't check it on my phone as much, but um, that and like the fact that I think that the number of institutional people who have actually bought into it is different than before when it was like, you know, it was like Mike Novogratz, you know, and he was like the yep. big evangelist. I think a lot of quiet people, this is not to say anything bad about Mike Novogratz. I actually find him to be, you know, one of the better okay. follows on Twitter, an interesting person, but you know, he's, he was not, he was a, he was a crypto evangelist, you know, but like there are people who are just kind of quietly buying with large funds. Yep. And so I don't see why it would go down. Like, I still think that the fundamentals of we talked about this all the time. It's just like, it still works, you know, like that's, it's amazing. It's like never not worked. And I don't know what would happen that would rupture all of this or pop the bubble. Now that to me also sounds like it's definitely going to like drop tomorrow because this is what yeah. we say every time it's the time. I actually sold during that speech. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, so I don't know. Like, do I think, could it be $50,000 by sure? Why not? Like, why couldn't it be like 20,000 was inconceivable to us, uh, like three months ago. Right. Remember we were talking about it. Yeah. Like it's never going to hit 20,000 and then at 20,000, you're like, Oh my God. And now it's at, you know, almost double what the all-time high was like uh, from the first run. Um, I don't know. Why wouldn't it, why wouldn't it just keep going up? Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to call for a doubling between now and March 31st. <laughs> All right. This to, is not investment uh, advice. <laughs> to 70,000. I'll give you, I'll give you my reasoning. Yeah. So I have come to realize that I have crypto brain disease. My brain will take any crypto idea and will warp it into this is the future of the world. This is a revolutionary thing. It's happened many times. My brain just wants more crypto. And what I see out in the world right now is more and more people, and they're very, very often extremely wealthy people who are actually older than us even now, like people who made their millions um, you know, in the 90s and the first dot-com boom. They aren't going to get into Bitcoin the first time that they hear about it. Or maybe they bought a few Bitcoin, but they didn't really care about it. And at some point, I think a lot of people are bored at home during the pandemic. Start reading a little bit about it. And they're like, whoa, this is crazy. Like you can see Mark Cuban progressively like falling yeah. under crypto brain yeah. disease. He's getting uh, like matter every day. He wakes up matter at fiat currency. You know? Yes. <laughs> He's like, he's like, I don't think Bitcoin can solve everything, but it really would make more sense to like peg salary. It's just like, you can just see it like invading new sections of his brain. Jack from Twitter clearly has like full, full on, on, full on fun yeah. fungus coming out of the nose, crypto yeah. brain disease. And I see it much like the pandemic itself spreading right now. Like, I think we may be just at the like sort of tipping point of a lot of people who have a lot of funds, discretionary funds, getting really into it, not even just as a way to make money, but actually like ideologically becoming intrigued by it. And as long as those people are coming in, those people are worth 10,000 of me and you's putting, you know, our like stock money into Bitcoin instead. These yeah, guys got yeah. the big bags. They're like going to roll up the big trucks. Well, okay, so here's my question then for you in terms of the next year, which is that remember at the beginning we would talk we we understood that the price of Bitcoin was tied to a lot of things that we didn't fully understand but worked in the lives of the very rich, right? So with even even something like Mt. Gox or something like that, right? Um, and now we know that the very rich and the very powerful are the ones that are driving this current spike. Like, what about adoption, though? Like, aside from price speculation, like, do you think, do you see a, do you see a future in the next year where the things that we used to talk about on the show, like, you know, for example, like Filipino overseas workers sending remittances back to the Philippines and Bitcoin instead of, uh, instead of using Western Union, like, you know, a lot of that stuff, that talk has sort of gone away, you know, like adoption is not really that big. Do you, do you see a future of adoption anywhere? I think I think it's still I think that story is still there. I mean, I think um, it's more difficult to sort of get in the news cycle right now. Yeah, um, I think people are still doing that. Like, it's always a safeguard when you're like currency is going down and there's always currencies going down. Like 
st- instability in the world is on the rise. The oh opportunities God, yeah. for Bitcoin and those kind of things are going higher. What I'm seeing is that kind of commerce is just going to take place in mobile apps. It's like only one step from like buying in the PayPal app or the cash app to the transfer. It almost becomes kind of irrelevant, like whether you're sending like cash or a stable coin or Bitcoin at this point. But I do think people are going to see that Bitcoin is like performing pretty well against traditional fiat currencies that are being printed. And we haven't really talked about probably the biggest story in crypto this year, which is the mainstreaming of the money printer go burr meme. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the invasion of <laughs> is that really the economic. <laughs> I think that that America has taken seriously the idea that there are repercussions for money printing and that money printing like has an effect on the value of the dollar and that that might make it uh, the U.S. dollar Bitcoin trade pretty attractive. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I do think that some of this is people responding to a very unstable world that we're in right now. Right. Like that. That's yeah. for sure. And I do think that some rich people are probably like, well, you know, what if like they look, I don't know, all the some of the same like nobody really can make sense. Like they can give explanations. But, you know, like the S&P was up 16 percent this year, you know, and they're like, how? And like, well, is isn't one fake? of the ex- isn't the explanation for that that a lot of those stocks are worth the same amount and the dollars worth less? I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of explanations, but it's like stuff, you know, like where they're foreseeing like a slow vaccine rollout, more pain, and then like a real difficulty to completely restart the economy. And then, you know, there are people who believe that America is fully in decline at this point, which I don't know. Like, I don't know how I feel about that, but it's hard to look at a lot of the stuff that's happened in the last year and not conclude that. And perhaps they're, you know, they're seeing it as a safeguard against all of that. And I, I do think that that will lead to certain applications. Like how far are we from, um, we're not that far from being able to pay with stuff on PayPal with the crypto that you have on PayPal, for example. Right. Um, I don't think many do people now. will do that, but I, I, I think that we, that we're basically at that point right now. Like we're one step away from that. You can do it on cash app. You know, you can send crypto to each other on cash app. And so, and you've been able to do that for a while. And I will just say that perhaps I have a, unusual amount of exposure to this just because so much of the gambling world runs on crypto now like if you want to deposit into like one of these offshore sites the most popular way that people deposit money into these sites is through crypto you know like they don't do their credit card anymore because it's super shady to give your credit card company one of these things but you can send some bitcoin and then you get a nice bonus on top of it so i don't know that i i do see i do see more adoption which makes doesn't make me bullish about price but just makes me bullish about crypto in general my essential philosophy is that you have two pools of money. You have money that you're going to spend and money that you're basically just going to leave sitting there. And for most people, the money that you're going to leave sitting there is a much bigger pool than the money you're going to spend, yeah. at least over a short period. And if people start holding the money that they're going to hold in Bitcoin because it's the long-term more valuable option than fiat currencies and converting to pay bills... That's all extremely bullish for for Bitcoin. And and I don't fully believe that, you know, um, modern monetary theory is um, bad and that we need like hard money and all this stuff. I don't I don't necessarily take a like strong moral or ethical stand. I just think that like as a trade that does look pretty appealing right now. Like if we're going to be sending out a lot of stimulus checks um, and you're holding a lot of U.S. dollars. Uh, I think if you put those into Bitcoin for the year, not investment advice, probably going to do okay. Yeah. And your general, your first point, remember when we did it during May, was that the the stimulus checks through, if everybody was had a Bitcoin wallet, would be super easy. Still true. Still Still, true. I, the most revolutionary crypto experience I've had this year was getting an Ethereum wallet and going on a DEX. And all it does is just auth in your wallet, no account, nothing like it's a true like decentralized identity. An Ethereum wallet is your identity right now. You could pay everyone's stimulus through Ethereum wallets without even knowing people's identity. I don't suggest the US government do that, but <laughs> it does show you that like these kinds of technologies have applications that aren't very far from the existing financial system. And if we accept things like that there will be a digital dollar, then we want the government to pay Americans, maybe in the form of a UBI eventually, 
that digital dollar, dollar is going to have a wallet on your phone and the government is going to dump digital money on your phone. That's going to happen. Yeah, it's, like, it's similar to what happens in China through these, you know, where nobody actually has money. They just all do it through WeChat or whatever. Like, uh, it's not that far from that. Um, I don't know. I, I just think there's probably a lot of institutional problems. And, you know, especially today, it seems like the U.S. government has other priorities, like not being invaded by a horde, horde of, a horde of live streamers. The building firing guns out. Oh, my that's, God. I don't mean to laugh at this, one. but it, in our defense, Aaron and I have been recording this. We have no idea what is happening yeah, right now. But civilization man, it, may have it looked fallen. pretty bad. Um, maximalist scorched earth may exist outside already. So um, I'm going to keep holding my Bitcoin. Oh, we didn't do our prediction for January first. Oh, I'm yeah. going to go. For, I'm going to go for uh, 150. January oh my God! 1st. All right. Uh, I don't. I think it's probably going to see some chop before then, but I have no idea what I'm talking about. If it's at 150, I'm going to fucking cry. <laughs> I'll just put it. That's my prediction. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right. um, cool. Thanks for doing this, Jay. Do you, oh, um, tell the. Do you, do you feel like plugging your uh, your podcast? Oh, yeah, yeah. I do a podcast with a couple of my friends. It's I don't know how to describe it, but it's like loosely like, you know, pretty niche. But it's uh, yeah, it's just about kind of leftist politics, which is the opposite of opposite of uh, what we do here. <laughs> Bitcoin podcast. <laughs> hoping that hoping that the super rich take money out of the system so they can't be taxed on it. And then, you know, putting it into uh, some vault in New Zealand or something like that. But, um, yeah, it's called time to say goodbye and, um, yeah, give it a listen. Uh, this has been coin talk. Uh, thanks very much for listening. I don't know when we'll be back for more episodes. We should do it once in a while. Come on. Let's do it every like 10,000. Yeah. Every, every 10,000. Yeah. Pump, pump the bags and, uh, tippin.me slash coin talk show. If we start getting some tips, we'll do some episodes, right? Oh yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, all right, Eric. Thanks. Later.